just praise you this morning. We thank you. We sing hallelujah this morning. We declare you are our king this morning. This is your kingdom this morning. We're not here just to do church this morning, God. We thank you that you are our king. We thank you that you loved us enough to go to that tree, to go through that pain, to see your body torn apart. But we also thank you that you walked out of that grave, God, so we can walk out of all of our stuff and all of our conditions this morning. And then we can stand in this room and praise you and sing hallelujah. So one more time, just sing hallelujah. Give it up to God this morning. Life change happens when God gets involved. What an, we could have just done that all morning. How awesome is our worship team? I mean, my gosh. Have a seat. Uh, my name's Corey Wilson. Uh, I know a lot of you in here. I serve in a couple areas on our First Impressions team, so you might have seen me ushing or hosting or out in the parking lot or something like that. Uh, or uh, you, you might have known me just from being around for the last few years. I've been in our church for about a decade now, and I'm on our executive board. It's my honor to preach to you this morning, to share something with you. Now, if you say to yourself, oh, man, another guest speaker, are you kidding me? You're wrong. Right, God's, God's got something for you this morning. I believe, I'm believing I'm going to get out of the way. He's not going to have to go around me. He's going to speak through me, and God's got something for you this morning. Let me mention just a couple things. Number one, one night is this Wednesday. So make sure you're at one night this Wednesday, July 20, 20, excuse me, 31st. Next steps, August 4th. Next steps. So a lot of you have been coming and hanging out throughout the summer, or maybe longer than that, and you're saying, you know, it's probably time for me to get plugged in. You know what? You're right. Get off the bench. It is time for you to get plugged in. This is, look, if you didn't notice, we're a non-denominational church. So, so what I used to think about how you become a, an usher or something like that, I thought there had to be like some kind of deacon election or running or something. That's not the way it is. You go to next steps, learn about what we're all about, where we're going. Let's see if you want to be a part of that and jump on a team and be a part of what we're doing. And then finally, Connect Group Leader Training is August 10th. We believe as we grow larger, we must grow smaller. We believe the way you do that's in groups. We don't think this walk can be done on Sunday mornings alone. We think you have to walk this out with people. So that's our Connect Groups. Training's on August the 10th. That's a Saturday. Let me jump into the message. Really, my goal today is to do one thing at the very least, is to prepare your hearts for life change that I believe will be happening over the next several weeks. We're going to be wrapping up uh, our series. We're, we're, we're kind of moving into and, and moving out of summer and transformation. We're going to be moving into a brand new series called Tangled. I am convinced it will be life-changing. I'm convinced it will be life-changing. Now, saying that, how do I know that? Well, I promise you our pastor, Pastor Jamie, will preach his guts out. I promise it will be relative to your life. I promise he'll bring the word strong. I promise you just had proof. Our worship team will create an environment where you can hear from God, where you can worship God. God will be in our midst of the worship that we have. I promise people will smile at you when you pull into the parking lot. However, that doesn't create life change if you don't want life change. Right? We have to want the life change. And so what I'm, what I'm going to preach about today will just be getting your hearts ready and being willing to allow God to change your life. If you like titles... Today is titled Barrier to Breakthrough. We're going to talk about the barrier to breakthrough and the number one barrier. Spoiler alert, I'll go ahead and tell you, it's you. It's me. 
We're our own barrier to breakthrough most of the time. And I'll tell you why. We're going to go to John 5. If you have a, a Bible still, we have a few Bibles here, go to John 5. If you have your app, go ahead and pull up John 5. If you have neither, just follow with me on the screen at John 5. Very familiar story to a lot of you, and I'm going to jump in right now. John 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. This has nothing to do with my, my message at all, but I just, one verse in, and I found it interesting that Jesus was going to a festival. Jesus was going to a party. Christians, you know, kind of get pigeonholed into this dull, unfun crowd. If Christians aren't fun, it's not because of the Christ we followed. Nothing to do with my sermon. Just found that interesting. Verse 2. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, underline that, here, on this spot, at this point, here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the addicted, the cynical, the angry, the depressed. I bet I could find you if I keep going. One, one who was there... Now, now, actually, let me back up. You might have noticed right then in your Bible or, or on the screen, we skip straight from verse 3 to verse 5. If you've never noticed that, we just skip from verse 3 to verse 5. I'm going to come back and talk to you and teach you in a minute about this, the case of the missing verse, which is verse 4. But you'll notice in your, your translation, it probably went from verse 3 straight to verse 5. So if you didn't know, now you know. Um, verse 5, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, you can underline long time, and I'm serious, we're talking about 38 years. When Jesus learned that he had been lying there or in this condition for a long time, he said, well, he's always been this way, so he'll probably always be this way. Let's move on. Now He said, hey, no, that's just Sam. That's just kind of one of Sam's hang-ups, and you'll get to know him, but that's just Sam being Sam. No, he, he, this guy has, has been, been disabled for 38 years, and, and really, if I healed him now, don't you think he'd probably be carrying in some baggage and some hurt, and I really don't need that in my church and my ministry, so let's move on to someone else. No. What Jesus does in this situation is he walks right up and mind you, it's a crowd of hurting people, a crowd of broken people, a crowd of people in pain for years and years, and he walks up to the worst situation in the crowd, the most broken of the broken, the most hurt of all the hurting people. I mention this today because that's the character of Jesus. I also mention it because I think if you would understand who he is, it would change the way you relate to him. You see, I, th I think we're usually willing to come and expose some of our hurts to Jesus. So, so I'll, I'll let Jesus know about some of those things, but the real pain, that real hurt, the hurt that exists here, no way. I'm going to cover that. I'm going to hide that. God's not going to get to that. People aren't going to get to that. My spouse isn't going to get to that. That's going to remain hidden. That pain, no one gets to see. 
not even God. And what I'm, what I'm encouraging you to do is be willing to uncover that covered pain over the next few weeks. That's the place that Jesus walks up to in this story. That's the place Jesus wants to walk up to in your life. And he asked them, do you want to get well? Simply put, the most obvious question in the Bible probably, do you want to get well? Who in here actually likes going to the dentist? Yeah, no, you're, no, you do not. You do not. And if you do, let's get prayer after the service is over. I hate going to the dentist's office. Absolutely. Well, wait a second. Do we have any dental hygienist or dentist in here? Just, just, are you serious? Oh, this is about to get awkward. Um, so let's be real. Okay, so I, I hate going to the dentist. And it's because of the experiences I've had at the dentist. I go every six months. I'm, I'm good about keeping my appointments. But, but I almost feel like I get tricked every time I go to the dentist. So I get there, it's my appointment, I typically try to go before work, and so I'll come, and I'll go, and it's this wonderful little lobby, and it's comfortable chairs, and the TV's on there, and it's HGTV going on, and it's just, it's just comforting, right? It's great. And they're respectful of my time. The service is amazing. This lady comes back, I haven't even been in the lobby three to five minutes, oh, Mr. Wilson, come on back, and I'm walking back, and how's your family, and, and they know my wife's name, and my fa- kid's name, how are they doing, it's so good to see you, how's your summer been? And I begin to get a little relaxed, and hey, come on, let me, let me take your jacket. So she takes my jacket and she puts it up, even kind of dusts it off. And like, it's, wow, this is, this is like Ritz-Carlton service here. And she, oh, thank you for doing that. It's my pleasure. So she, 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 takes, she does that and, and then uh, says, hey, can I, let's, let's go ahead and have you sit down right here. And of course, the dentist chair, it's actually not an uncomfortable chair in and of itself. And so my feet are kicked up and she tilts me back a little and we, we answer the questions and I'm becoming more and more relaxed about the environment. And she says, let me just lay you back, and we're going to get started. And, and let me just put this little thing on you right here, because I, I know you're going to work, and I don't want to get any of that messy. And so, oh, thank you. Thank you for respecting my, my stuff here. And in fact, let me put these glasses on you, because there might be some water. Don't want you to get any water in your eyes. And now they're tinted. Let me put these tinted glasses, because, you know, your eyes may be sensitive. And I just, we want you to have a great experience here. This is, oh, wow. This is great. I'm expecting a movie to start. Uh, and it reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen like a National Geographic where a cobra and a little bunny are, are coming up. You see, when you've got a cobra and a little, a little bunny coming up, this little cute little bunny is going about its cute little bunny life and it encounters a cobra. And its instincts should be fear, let's run from here. There's harm right here. But I don't know if you knew, I don't know if all snakes can do this, but cobra has the ability to hypnotize its prey. Right? And so when that bunny should be running... If it stays around too long, the cobra begins hypnotizing it. And I don't think it's, you know, like Jungle Book where the eyes spin around like that. I don't think, I don't think that's really how it goes, but, but still, it can, it can hypnotize it. And what happens, instead of fear, the, the bunny begins to relax. And it gets all warm and fuzzy inside. And this, this sense of euphoria shoots through its body and it, and it just begins to take it easy. And then the cobra strikes and in the same way, that dental hygienist, once I've, once I've relaxed and once I've got all warm and fuzzy and I think it's going to be okay, she comes in and maims and, and destroys soft tissue and crushes my very soul in the next 45 minutes. And I mean, it is like a bloodbath in there. It is awful. Soft tissue and my gums flying around. I mean, it's a metal hook for Pete's sake. I mean, so she's stabbing me and going through this ordeal 
And it's awful, every minute of it. And I'm squirming and crying, and she's, you know, oh, I'm sorry, didn't mean to do that. Let me do it again. And, it, and it's just awful. And she looks like she cares. I see her through the glasses. She's got a surgical mask. But in my mind, it's this maniacal smile that she's got, like some kind of dental Pennywise the Clown, just digging at my, digging at my mouth. And I hate it. At the end, I communicate my displeasure at my experience. I say, I didn't like that. It was painful. It's hurt. My gums are bleeding. They're swollen. I, and my teeth even hurt because you're scraping around on them with metal. And she asked me the question that, the, that she asked me the last time. And she asked me the time before that and the time before that. And will ask me next time. And she asked me, Mr. Wilson, how often are you flossing? And I say, it's none of your business. And she begins to, to go through why flossing would be so important. And this experience I just had, this hurt I had, really didn't have anything to do with you know, her stabbing me with metal, but it really had everything to do with me flossing and if I would floss more regularly. And, and she even begins patronizing me and shows me like a four-year-old how to floss. I know how to floss. Okay, I get it. And she was, oh, you don't even need to do that. If you don't like to floss around your fingers, you can buy these plastic picks and they'll floss for you and... And she shows me pictures of what happens if you don't floss and at age 50 your gums just melt right off your face and it's just horrific. And Please floss. And finally, I relent. Okay, I'm going to floss. I'm going to change that behavior that leads me to this hurt. And I do for a day or two or a week. Then life happens, right? I go right back to the same behavior, right back to the same patterns. Six months comes around very quick. And then I begin to have to think about, man, what am I going to do? I'm going to go back and experience that same hurt that I've been experiencing before. What do I do? I quickly begin to think of alternatives like, like maybe I could call them and say, hey, you know, the, the metal hook and the metal knife you use to scrape, that, that's what they used 100 years ago. Are you telling me that dentists haven't progressed in technology in 100 years? Come on. I blame her a little bit. And then I say, well, you know what? Every time I go see these people, eventually I get hurt. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'll just go somewhere else. I won't get hurt. And if they hurt me, I'll go somewhere else again. Or I can, can call her and say, hey, I've heard about this laughing gas. And instead of experiencing the pain the way I do, could we numb it a little bit? Could we cover up the pain a little bit? Or I say this, hey, look, can we just push the problem down the field a little bit? What if you just didn't dig so deep? What if you just got those areas you could very quickly get to but you didn't dig in those areas that you really need to get to. I know it's going to hurt me later on, but I don't want to experience the pain right now. Could we just push it out a little bit and you don't dig so deep? I don't want to hurt like that. Eventually, I relent. I go to the dentist, and I go through the same thing, and I go through the same thing, and I go through the same thing. I've been a part of this church for about 10 years. I've been serving in the kingdom since 1998. It amazes me how in my own life and in others' lives, we can be in the house of God. We can be around the people of God. We can have worship that we do. We can have God doing all kinds of things. And we'll still have this attitude, this resolute, determined, arms crossed, I will not change. I'm not going to change. They can change. He can change. She can change. The worship can change to the songs I like. The pastor can preach the messages I like. But I will not change. Many of us, and I wrote this down, are more in love with the idea of God changing our circumstances, but not changing us. Me too. 
I'm, hey, look, I'd much rather God mess with this circumstance around me that I don't like than actually have to change me. I'll come back to that. John 5, 2 and 3 tells us, there was this pool near a sheep gate in Bethesda, and that's the spot where many disabled people used to lie. People with a bunch of conditions all gathered there. Hey, look, it's us. Right? If you look up and down your row, left and right, if you look in front of you and behind you, you're going to see a, a spot where people with conditions are gathered. That's all of us. Now, the difference here, most of these conditions were physical. And there may be some in this room, but a lot of times many of our conditions, many of our disabilities are emotional or spiritual. And that's dangerous because I can hide them from you. See, if you could, if you could see my emotional state, you might see uh, lack of joy. You might see impatience. You might see insecurity. You might see my control issues when things aren't going my way. But I can put on a smile. I can make it look okay. And you never have to actually know those things exist. If you could see my spiritual state, you might see a cup that's not always running over. Right? You might see anger. You might see uh, 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 times when I'm not leading my family the way I should. You might see an inconsistent prayer life. But... I don't ever have to let you see those things because I can say a few spiritual words. I can paraphrase some scripture. I can make it look okay. So I cover it up. That's why the emotional and the spiritual conditions that we have, those hangups are even more dangerous because we can cover them and hide them for years and years and years and we stay, we stay tangled there forever. As the scripture says, for a long time they were lying there. I'm encouraging you over the next few weeks, uncover those things. Be willing to let Jesus walk there. In 2006, Pastor Stephen Furtick did a survey. And I say it's a survey. It was very informal. All he simply did is he went on social media and he asked the following question. Name an area of your life where you need a breakthrough. Simple question, open form answer. Name an area of your life where you need a breakthrough. And his responses were surprising. 99% of the responses actually had to do with a circumstance. For example, I need a breakthrough with the wife that I'm dealing with, with the husband that I'm dealing with. I need a breakthrough with my boss. I need a breakthrough with my job. I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need a breakthrough in this debt load that I've created. I need a breakthrough with my children and the rebellion, their defiance. I need a breakthrough in these circumstances. And let me just tell you this. God cares about all these things. God wants to do miracles around all those things and more. Every week we're going to have prayer, uh, a prayer team up here. Come pray about those things. Have someone stand with you about those things. But here's what I found interesting about this survey. Not one person, not one reply had answers like this. I'm selfish. I'm scared and I live in fear all the time. I'm insecure. But I act prideful and I act overconfident because that's a way to hide my insecurity. And I'd rather you think I have the uh, sin of pride than have the weakness of insecurity. So that's how I deal with it. But I'm insecure. I'm angry. I act uncaring toward the people who, who I care about the most. Not one person in this survey said, God, I need you to set me free from me. I need breakthrough in my heart. Now look. We need to keep praying about those circumstances. Pray for your marriage. Pray about your kids. Pray about your workplace. Pray about your ministry. But do you ever pray, God changed my heart? 
break through with me. Psalm 51.10 says this, classic King James Version. Psalm 51.10. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Not my wife, not my husband, not my kids, not my boss, not my pastor, not my team leader, not them. Create a, a clean heart within me. Renew a right spirit within me. Jesus walks right up to this guy and he says, do you want to get well? Put it another way, do you want to change? Not, do you want it to change? Not, do you want them to change? But, do you want to change? Do you want to get well? His response is interesting. It, uh, it almost makes me think that, that he also has a hearing impairment in addition to the fact that he can't walk, because he doesn't even answer the question. His response is verse 7, Sir, at least he's polite, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So Jesus says, do you want to get well? And this guy begins to tell him all the reasons he's not. Justify. Reminds me of, of parenting, quite frankly. I mean, a lot of you, a lot of you know my girls, uh, Reese and Reagan. They're, they're redheads. The stereotype is true. Um, and, and parenting's a challenge in general, but the biggest challenge with them is actually, and, and look, let me, before I launch into this, we love our kids. My wife and I absolutely adore our girls, and, and the reason you know we do is that they're still here, right? But the biggest challenge in, in parenting is the, with these two is that they fight each other all the time. See, I never had sisters. My wife does. And they're like best friends, best friends for life. And it's amazing. And I kind of want that for my girls. But they fight each other all the time. And so we'll be in the house. And all of a sudden, you'll hear this scream, this cry. And it sounds like someone is, is literally dying out there. It's just, it's, just, it's just awful. And so we run up and know everything's fine. But they're in an argument. And so what I used to do, or what we used to do to try to solve that, is I would want to understand where, what happened, how it came about, how did you uh, respond to this and what did you say and let me coach you and give you wisdom through this entire situation? That didn't work at all. Because what would happen it was, is, you know, she said this and then I went over there and she hit me. I didn't hit you. Quit interrupting me. You interrupted me. No, when I did this, last week you did the exact same thing and mom and dad didn't punish you and this, it gets elevated. And I'm judge and jury and executioner if I need to be, but, but they're, 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 it's elevating beyond this normal conversation and it becomes this point counterpoint and may I cross-examine the witness and and two hours later we're sitting there in this argument except instead of me bringing wisdom and calm to the situation her emotions got elevated her emotions got elevated mine get elevated we're all yelling and it becomes this horrific ordeal it's amazing how quickly human beings learn to justify their circumstances amazing so I don't do that anymore Simply put, I say, hey, I don't care what happened. If anyone's crying, if anyone's upset, you're both in trouble. I don't care. I, I revert back to that old school mentality. My parents said it. My grandparents said it. I don't care who started it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. We have something similar going on here. We're going to get back to that in a second. Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Not, watch this, not do you want to feel better? There is a difference. We can come to church and feel better and not change. We can, 
go to our connect groups and find comfort, but not change. This is a place where you can find comfort, you can feel better, but also God can change your life. Do you want to get well? Now, I told you I'd come back to the case of the missing verse, so here we are. So verse 4 is actually probably not in your manuscripts. And the reason it's not is has, there's a lot of controversy going centuries back, but it all has to do with was it in the original letter that John wrote? And most people now believe that it probably wasn't, that it got inserted uh, maybe 50 to 100 years later into the manuscript, but now it's not in the manuscript anymore. I don't even, I don't even want to get into the controversy. I bring it up because it, it, it provides a beautiful contrast that we're going to close the message out with here in a few moments. Basically, here's the verse, and I'm going to start with verse 3 and go through the missing verse that we didn't read the first time. Verse 3 says, Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down, stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they have. So basically what happens in this situation is all these people are laying or lying around, all these issues, all these conditions. Every now and then, a lot of scholars believe it was once a year was what was believed. This angel would come down, stir up the waters, and at that moment, it's every man and every woman for themselves. Whoever can get from their spot of hurting to that spot of healing wins. It is the perfect picture of religion. The first one there wins. The one who accumulated the largest 401k wins. The one who got the most titles wins. The person who can recite the most verses wins. The person who can appear to have it all together wins. Verse 4 says, Every now and then, healing would happen over here at this place. And when it happened, it's go ahead and see who can perform the best to get there. Who can deserve it most? But grace says something entirely different. Grace says it doesn't matter what you can do or how well you can do it. It, doesn't, it also doesn't matter who you can knock down to get to some place of belonging or deserving. Grace says something different. Grace shows us this, and I wrote this down. Healing isn't over there. Healing is in a person by the name of Jesus Christ who walks right up to the most pain, the most hurt, the most brokenness in an undeserving world, he understands that the affliction was never going to get to the healing, so the healing came to it. That's grace. Let's get back to this guy's answer, the, the, the answer to the wrong question. Sir, he replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Well, I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes down ahead of me. He answers grace with religion. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? But he hears religion. What he hears is, why aren't you well already? Why haven't you changed yet? Why, year after year, do you find yourself in the same situation over and over and over again? Why can't you get it together? Jesus asked with grace, and this guy hears religion. Can we be a church that asks with grace, please? Can we not be the church that says, why haven't you got it together? Why haven't you cleaned yourself up? Why are you still laying here? It's been 38 years. You know the drill. What's wrong with you? 
He answers grace with religion. Now, he's absolutely right about his situation. Those are the facts. He's right. No one's there to help him. The place he is is way too far from the place he needs to be. There's no way to get there. And when he thinks he can, when he tries, someone else cuts in front of him, tramples over top of him, and gets in first. So he's right about the distance between his condition and healing. That's the facts. But that's not faith. That's not grace. That's not what Jesus did. I'm going to parallel this now with with John 4. And you're going to see a very similar theme one chapter right before we get here. So if you go back to John 4 in your Bible or we'll have it on the screen, I'm going to read through it very quickly because I don't think I have a ton of time. But John 4, we're going to look at this very same theme. I'm going to read this fast and then I'm going to paraphrase this conversation with the woman at the well. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, Well, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not even associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift, that God, the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You've, you've nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. You don't even have a bucket. You can't even get to the water. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? And did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling to eternal life. Basically, let me summarize this conversation and show you how similar it is to the one we just looked at with the man. Jesus, I want some water. It's noon, it's hot, I'm tired, I want some water, I've been traveling. The woman says, well, wait a second, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Why are you even talking to me? You're not supposed to be asking me this. And Jesus said, look, if you only knew who was asking you, lady, I'm thirsty. The woman says, look, you don't even have a bucket. You can't even get, the water I know will quench your thirst, but you can't even get to that water. You don't have a bucket. And then she begins going through this whole, whole uh, conversation where, you know, uh, where is it okay to worship? And your people say this, and my people say this. And she begins giving a religious answer to grace. That's just approach her. And she begins telling Jesus that, again, you can't quench your thirst because you can't even get to the water. And then Jesus begins to teach her. He teaches her a lot, right? First of all, he makes sure she understands that it's not about some, about some geographical location you've got to get to to encounter God or get to to encounter healing, that healing comes to you. And, and, and she begins saying, look, look you, can't even, you can't even get to the water. And he says, look, lady, don't you realize it? You are looking at change. You are looking at healing. If I, if I wanted that water to quench my thirst, I'd be thirsty again. People who drink that water, they, they get thirsty again. I'm talking about a water where you'll never thirst again. She's basically saying, look, I know you want that water. You can't get there. That water that will quench your thirst, you can't get to. The beauty is that Jesus, she answers grace with religion. The beauty of Jesus is that he answers religion with grace. In this situation and in our lives, in all of our own hang-ups, Jesus walks right up to the man, and this guy begins to tell Jesus how he can't get to the water that heals. He can't get to. This affliction's keeping him from getting to the water that heals. And Jesus says, man, you don't get it. I saw you. I know you can't get to the water that heals. That's why the water came to you. 
That's why the water showed up to you. We've got all kinds of issues. We've got all kinds of conditions. We can't get to healing. There is no way when that water is stirred in our lives, we could ever get past all our conditions and all the other people who are trying to get there and perform enough to deserve healing. God knows that. You don't have to get to God. You don't have to get to healing. Healing came to you 2,000 years ago on a cross and walked right out of that grave so you could walk right out of your own stuff. Healing came to him. Let's close with the end of this story. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes in ahead of me. Again, it's funny how all the excuses have to do with other people, right? In my own life too. He gives a religious answer. He gives all the complexities, all the complex reasons that this thing isn't, isn't working, that this thing won't work. And I love the simplicity of Jesus and his grace in the midst of our complex religious issues. You know what Jesus does? He says, get up. That's it. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. So this guy gives all these reasons why he can't get to healing. And Jesus' answer, grace says, just get up. That's it. Get up. No performance. No convincing God to have mercy on you. No begging. No parsing the facts of your circumstances. No justifying yourself. No place to get to. No process you have to go through to deserve it. Just simply get up. Get up. The barrier to breakthrough is us. The barrier to breakthrough is Him. The barrier to the woman's breakthrough was her. My barrier is me. And many times I've just got to hear God say, Get up. And look, I know the facts of, of your circumstances are legit. And I don't, mean, I don't mean to minimize those. They're complex and they're long and there's a lot of backstory and a lot of data that goes into what got us to where we are. But still, I read the Bible and after 38 years, Jesus had the compassion to say, I get all that, but get up. Get up. It reminds me last week, I don't know if you were here as a part of our service, the five communicators spoke for five minutes. Very powerful. Every single one of them. They all stuck with me, but one actually went into inspiring this sermon. It was Travis. And he spoke about the prodigal son. And he, and he asked, when did, this, when did the breakthrough happen for the prodigal son? And it's true because we think the prodigal son's breakthrough happened when he got home. And, and here's the robe. And here's the ring. And here you've been elevated to sonship again. And let's kill the fatted calf. And here's the party. That's not breakthrough. That's broke through. He, he, already, he already got there. And what Travis said is absolutely right. Breakthrough happened when this guy is on his hands and knees like a pig with the swine in the pig slop eating pig food. And we had lost everything and he's down on his knees. He had a decision to make. And you know what he did? He was willing to get up. That's the moment that breakthrough happened for this guy. This woman at the well, she is broken down and maybe physically not on the ground, but don't you think she's broken down with shame? Marriage after marriage after marriage failed. She won't even go out with the other women because she knows the way they talk about her. And then she encounters grace and grace says, get up. This man who's been in this situation for 38 years, 
almost four decades, and there's no hope, no hope for a cure, and he knows it. And Grace says, get up. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now, and we're going to close out. I'm just going to ask for a couple things in two areas. And what I want you to do in this, look, I'm going to have you raise your hand in a couple areas. And let me just promise you right now, you're not going to be brought up. I'm not going to bring that mic to you. This is actually between you and God. And the reason I'm asking everyone to close their eyes right now is I want it to be a private moment between you and God. But, but I ask you a couple times in this sermon, would you be willing to let God go to that place? We see God walk up into a crowd of hurting to the most hurt, to the worst part of it. Would you be willing to, yeah, show God and, and be willing to, to show God all the, uh, the hurts that you have that you'll show other people, but also be willing to show God the real hurt, the real memory, the real pain. Allow Him to walk up to that place. Just today, I want you to just begin God working on your heart for that, for that thing. And I believe over the next several weeks, as we get into this series, you're going to see God do something miraculous in your heart. So everyone close your eyes on the count of three. If you'll be willing to uncover that covered thing, allow God walk up to that place on the count of three. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. That's not easy to do, right? It's not easy to expose that thing that you've never had exposed and that you're scared to. Know the character of Jesus that, that he will walk right up to that place, that he'll begin to change that thing. And I'm going to tell you, the, the man we talked about today, he got up and he picked up his mat and walked. The prodigal son, when he got up, he had a long journey to get back to the father to be restored. I don't know what your journey looks like. Maybe it's instant. Maybe God just begins to do a work and it's more of a long walk. But I promise you, when God says get up and you answer the call, breakthrough happens. The barrier's gone. The second thing I want to ask you, for those of you who say, look, you, you talk about walking with Jesus. You talk about God changing our lives. I don't even walk with Jesus now. My barriers, I don't even have a relationship with them. And I've done so much stuff. I have so much junk in my life. The conditions you talk about, I have all of them. And I just need a clean slate. I need a fresh start this morning. I want you to know you, you can have one. That God's waiting for you. All you got to do is turn around. Everyone with their eyes closed, if you just want a fresh start with God this morning, just raise your hands on three. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you want a fresh start with God. Awesome. We're going to close out. God, we thank you for this day. We just come to you and, and, and admit we, we just cannot get there. We know we can't get there. We know we can't get to the place of healing. We know we can't get to the waters that heal. We praise you this morning that the waters came to us, that grace says you came to us. And so this morning, we just believe uh, that, that you are better having the reins of our life than us having them on our own. And so we continue just to give you the reins of our life, to commit our life to you and to follow you. We thank you that you're going to do a work in, the, in, in our lives over the next few weeks and even today, that if we'll be willing to allow you to walk up to that spot, to that pain, that you will walk up to it and you'll begin to change that heart, to change that life, even today, God. I thank you for just transformation, that whenever we encounter you, God, transformation happens. In the name of Jesus, amen. Give God a hand this morning. What an awesome day.